Um, hey, we were planning to have our senior pastor, A.D. Wasink, uh, deliver the message this morning. A.D. Was, woke up very nauseous this morning, so couldn't be here to do that message. We will look forward to her message on uh, anti-Semitism was the topic and how, what is the church's response to that. So we'll look forward to hearing from her at another date upon that very, very important subject. Um, so this morning we're going to do something very different. Um, we're going to talk about pets. Uh, who has a pet? Anyone? Okay, awesome. Um, how many of you uh, got your pet during COVID, like COVID pet? Yeah, a couple, okay. Um, my family, we got pets during COVID, uh, just like right when the pandemic hit in like April 2020, my wife said, hey, we're going to do something. I said, what are we going to do? And she said, we're going to get two pet birds. And I'm going to show you the photos of, of our pet birds. So I've got three, uh, three photos here that you can see them. This is Jane and Lizzie. Jane is the bluebird. Lizzie is the green and yellow one, named after the two uh, sisters from Pride and Prejudice. You'll all be familiar, I'm sure. Um, we, uh, yeah, we purchased these birds and brought them home right when the pandemic started. And um, my wife has taken on the lion's share of the work to care for the birds. She does all the daily maintenance, that kind of thing. Um, I will say that I was the one who did all the daily maintenance of our cat prior to having birds. So it's an equal opportunity household, just to let you know. Okay. Um, but my role has really been to simply enjoy our budgies. Um, so they're budgies or budgegras or parakeets. Those are all names people use for these. They're all synonymous. And I've learned a ton from watching our pet budgies. Um, I learned about eating and food. Our budgies love to eat as much as I do. And it is so delightful and fun just to watch them eat. They are ravenous. They're eating a lot. They will eat and their seeds go everywhere or the husks from the seeds as they eat the kernel or the protein inside. Um, they are awesome eaters. Pooping. Our birds poop a lot. I feel like there's a sermon in there somewhere, but I'm going to save that for another time. So we'll just set that aside. But that's another observation. Um, okay, you can take down the photos, Nikki. Thank you. Or did we get all three? Did you see all three? Yeah, okay, good. Thanks. Um, budgies, they love to play. We will open up their cage and let them fly around our main living area. And so they fly around. They'll find different places to perch. Uh, they play with each other. They fly. I mean, they just love to play. And it seems like that's the reason they fly in our home is because they like it. They derive joy and pleasure and delight simply from flying and being. Fear and anxiety. These birds are anxious sometimes. I've noticed that if I raise one of the big red pillows in my living room, if I just lift it up, they freak out. So I try not to move the pillow too suddenly. But this large red item signals danger to them. Um, there are times, actually, we've had to give them medicine, and we try our best to handle them as gently as we can, but they are completely freaked out, as you can imagine, totally anxious, as we're trying to shove medicine into their beaks. Um, and they don't know. We are trying to do something good to them and good for them, but they are still completely terrified of us. And so I was just, you know, that's an interesting observation watching that. Gender. 
Gender is wild in Budjagras. It's very hard to tell what gender the birds are. In fact, we named them Lizzie and Jane, two culturally female uh, uh, names. Uh, but actually, Lizzie is a boy, we learn much later. <laughs> and so now we have a boy named Lizzie, which our kids find endlessly funny. But anyway, um, but there, there are actually many, many millions of species in creation where it's very difficult to discern gender or gender does not work in typical binary ways that we think about gender. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. Rest. Our birds take about eight to 10 naps a day. I think this is the gospel. <laughs> I love that. I mean, when they're not eating and playing, they're resting. During the day, they actually sing while they sleep. It is the cutest thing. So watch them little treat, 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 back and forth as they're sleeping. It's so cute. And then finally, um, I'm, you know, I'm curious about animals, so I'll, just, I'll do some research about budgies. Like when we first got them, we were reading about where do they live in Australia? That's where they're originally from. Now they're all over the world, of course. Um, but they're originally from Australia. They had packs of millions of budgies, parakeets flying. You can imagine this storm of millions of birds flocking across the sky in Australia. Just awesome, awesome to kind of think about. But it's been fun to learn and explore some of the data and facts and, and interesting tidbits about them. All right, we are today, um, as we're talking about pets and animals, we're going to explore Genesis chapter 1, the opening story of creation. And what we're going to see is that all of the commonplace observations that I just shared about my pet, and I'm sure that you've observed something similar in your pets, we find those things affirmed when we open our Bibles to page one. We see that God is into food, that God is into rest, that God is into play and joy, that God is concerned about threats and what might cause fear and anxiety. There's a lot that we find right in the Bible that resonates with our everyday experience of our pets. Okay, so we're going to read the entire chapter of Genesis 1, okay? So get comfortable, folks, because it's a long scripture passage. Um, people, uh, by people, I mean scholars believe that Genesis chapter 1 was originally used in prayer and worship. It was used as a way of a liturgy, a place where people could rehearse the story together. And that's why we get the rhythm. You know, it was, it was evening, it was morning the first day. And you'll see some repeated ideas. And that would be like almost like a call and response type of worship setting that they think would this, this uh, Genesis chapter 1 served. All right, with that, let's read it. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. 
So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky. (laughs) I love that. And there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. We're getting close. Three more days. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters. Love that. And every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters and the seeds, seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done. And he chilled. God rested on the seventh day from all the work that God had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Because on it, God rested from all the work that God had done in creation. Whew. Okay. Well done, everyone. Good listening. Um, 
All right, so I have five things I want to walk through about what we see in uh, this story about God and creation and the lessons it has for us. So the first is that God brings order in the midst of chaos. Now, this is a little surprising, but when we open up our Bibles and we start to read, the curtain opens on stage and we see something. It's not nothing. We see chaos. An earth that's formless and void and darkness. There are in uh, a lot of Christian traditions the emphasis that God creates everything out of nothing. That is a theological idea that is later developed, but it's not from this story. In this story, Chaos is already there. And guess where God is? God is smack dab right in the middle of the chaos. And God is not phased. God is not afraid. God is not overwhelmed by the chaos or the darkness or the void. God's like, I can work with this. This is fun. And God gets to work. And God brings order in the midst of chaos. God brings order to time, to space, to living things and separating where they live, how they live, what what brings forth life. Many people have pointed out how days one through three, God creates containers And then on days four through six, God fills those containers. That's kind of a fun way to think about it. But it's order that God is bringing about in the world. Not because God doesn't like chaos necessarily or is afraid of it or thinks it's bad, but because God understands that there can be life that can come in the midst of chaos. And God is always doing that. Number two, creation is good. Creation is good. This is really, really important. Um, There have been a lot of emphases throughout Christian tradition that have been tempted to alienate creation from that which is good. And we've made the mistake of judging either humanity or our bodies or some other part of creation as bad or evil or shameful. God's first judgment on creation is that it is very good. God looks at everything God has made and says, yes, that is very, very good. This is one place, in fact, where Christian and Jewish interpretation of Genesis uh, divert, (laughs) I'll say it that way, they, they radically depart from one another. So, and I'll just explain this really quickly. In the Christian tradition, it's generally interpreted that Genesis is part of a narrative structure that tells us what actually happened some time ago. So in the beginning, God created everything, and it was good and perfect, just like the Bible says. But then humans did something to make it bad, and it's now fallen. Creation has fallen. It's the world. It's kind of dark, and and there's a lot of problems with it. And so now God has to fix it, 
right? So it was good, something bad happened, now God has to fix it. That's generally the Christian narrative structure. We can use that if we want, okay? So I'm not saying that's bad or wrong necessarily. There are pros and cons with that approach. I'll say it that way. The Jewish interpretation is not that. In the Jewish interpretation, it's not a narrative of what happened. Rather, it's a story of what always happens. And it works like this. Creation is not fallen. It's very good. And there are always problems with it because it was made out of chaos. And the chaos elements of it are always kind of there. So God is always bringing order in the midst of chaos. But it's still very good. So God looks at human beings and God sees very good creatures. Do we make bad choices? You bet. (laughs) We do. We mess things up. But God does not call that evil in our core. God sees us and says, very good, and I've got good things for you. So that's the lesson of very, very good creation. Number three, creation is not in binaries, but in spectrums. This too, I've learned more recently from Jewish interpreters, specifically Jewish interpreters on TikTok, of all places. Thank you, TikTok. So when we read Genesis 1, it's really tempting to polarize or think in binaries, right? There's light or there's darkness. There's water or there's land. There's this species and this species and this species, you know, and they're separated. And when it comes to human beings, there is male or female. But this is not how creation works at all. And the Jewish interpreters throughout the centuries have always seen it more as a spectrum. And let me give you a couple examples. So in light and dark. Light and dark are not binaries. You think about the sunrise or the sunset when there's a mixture of light and dark. Well, what's ruling over the earth at sunrise or sunset? Right? I mean, it's a mix. It's a spectrum. How about land and water? What do you call a swamp? or a bog, or the shoreline? Is it wet or is it dry? It's both. It's a spectrum. Creation is a spectrum. And so when when, uh, we read that God created humankind, male and female, and we'll look at this in the gender seminar coming up, um, that too is a spectrum, that God made humankind on a spectrum of from male to female, if you want to think about it that way. It's much more complex than that, obviously. But the idea here is that it covers everything. Even in species, it can be very, very difficult to discern or separate species from one another in the animal kingdom, in the plant kingdom. It's hard to determine what exactly is what sometimes. And in human biology, in human culture, we see the exact same thing. It is a spectrum of creation. And God's comfortable with all of that whole spectrum. Number four, humans made in God's image. So I just touched on this with gender, but we get humans who are rational. Humans have full agency. Humans 
are deeply feeling creatures, and humans are made for community, made for relationship. We see all of those things are true with God. God's agency, God's feelings. Story after story in the Bible shows a God who feels all the same emotions that we feel. We are made in God's image. That God created human beings for relationship, both relationship with God, relationship with one another. That we essentially are relational creatures. And this is true of God as well. And when God sets humans within creation, God says, hey, I'm going to make you responsible for this thing. God makes humans responsible, gives us the keys. You are all stewards of how you use this abundant, amazing, very good creation. What will you do with this good creation? How will you use it? How will you share it? This is the image of God in all of us, in all humanity. And then finally, that last day, God rests, God chills. It is profound to see a God who rests. God who sets a standard then for us, God's creatures, made in God's image, that God would invite us to nap like budgies, to sleep, to sleep well, to learn how to rest, to learn how to not be anxious, that we need not be so crazy driven or focus on success that we're not sleeping or resting or learning how to be and be content with who we are and the people we love. You can see this throughout creation. Um, I'm sure you watch your pets sleep and rest, and you don't judge your dog for being lazy. I mean, maybe you do. You don't need to judge your dog for being lazy, right? I mean, it's your dog. Like, they are listening to their body. They are living into their very good purpose for which God made them. Be like your dog, you know? Be like God. Rest. Learn how to rest. Learn how to look upon a finished work and to celebrate and say, ah, that feels good. That's good. Now we get to rest. Now we get to chill. Okay, so I have some homework from these lessons. Um, Number one, if you have a pet, I would like you to enjoy your pet this week. Okay, if you don't have a pet, find another animal that you can enjoy. And there's something special about animals in particular um, that we can learn from. Plants just don't do as much. We can learn from plants too. But animals, I don't know, they're a little closer to us in their feelings, that kind of thing. Reflect on God's good creation in your pet. Watch them. Watch them eat. Watch them eat with joy, without judgment. They just like it. Can we learn the same? To enjoy food as our dogs enjoy food? Can you imagine? Oh, how freeing would that be? Watch your pet. Watch your pet rest. Watch your pet eat. Watch your pet. Number two, back to food. Eat some good food this week. I want to invite you to eat some good food. There's a lot of food references in that Genesis 1 story that we read. 
Um, but God gave us food to enjoy. So that's your homework. Find some good food and enjoy it and reflect on God's very good creation in food. And number three, this one's a challenging one. I want to invite us all to call other human beings good. Let's stretch ourselves and call other humans good. We will hear stories this week of people making very bad decisions. We're going to hear stories this week of people harming other people, right? Happens all the time, every day. We recognize that same impulse in ourselves, that we are not always the good creatures that God would call us to be. It's part of life. God is always holding out to us the opportunity to grow, to be transformed more and more into the calling God has for us. So this is okay. But I want us just to pause and to remember, oh, that person is in the image of God. That person was created by God. And God calls them good. God calls them child, son, daughter, loved one. Can we remember that of ourselves, of one another, of even those folks who we think are making very bad decisions and harming others, just to bring them before God and hold that for a moment, that they too are made in God's image. Okay, that is our homework. Let's take a moment to pray and welcome God, God our creator. God, we hear the lessons of Genesis 1, of your good creation and our place in it. Help us. Help us to claim the goodness of that creation, the goodness of our bodies, the goodness of one another. Help us to enter into your rest. Help us to receive the lessons of our pets. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.